The title of the message this morning is The Rich Man and Lazarus. Would you please say that with me? The Rich Man and Lazarus. Now, this is much more than a simple story. Sometimes people think, well, a parable is just a very simple thing. This is more than a simple story. It is actually a profound story about two lives, two deaths, and two afterlives, and the tremendous difference that you see in the lives of these people. So as we read the passage in Luke, let's remember that these are actually the words of Jesus. Jesus is himself speaking here, and the letters are in red, if you have the red letter edition of the Bible. Now, I encourage you to follow in your own Bible if you can. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you today, then you can follow on the screen. Luke 16, and this is verse 19 to 31, reading from the New King James Version. It says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Not a very nice picture. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Father Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Verse 26 on the next slide says, And besides all this, between us and you, there is a gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to there, uh, from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, for if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture, and also a sobering portion of Scripture which Jesus himself taught. 
and notice that last line. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And I want to tell you folks, in a very real sense, Jesus is that someone who rose from the dead and still many refuse to believe. Now, in this parable today of the rich man and Lazarus, it refers to two interesting places and the one place is Abraham's bosom, and the other place is Hades. And I think it's helpful just to get an understanding of what these two places are all about. And so I'm reading one particular theologian puts it very well, and he helps us to understand these places. Listen carefully. Those who died before Jesus was crucified went to a place called Sheol, the place of the grave. In Jesus' parable, we see that there are two parts to Sheol, separated by a great divide. One side was filled with fire and torment, that being Hades, and the other side was filled with joy and comfort, and that was Abraham's bosom or paradise. Those who loved God would go to the paradise side of Sheol. The reason they could not go directly to heaven is because the blood of Jesus had not yet been shed. So paradise was simply a waiting room. And the friend of God, Father Abraham, would welcome them there. However, those who did not, did not believe in God went to the torment side of Sheol called Hades. So here you have this place called Sheol. The one side is called paradise. The other side is called Hades, and there is a great divide in between. And those who loved God would go to the paradise side, waiting for the blood of Jesus to be shed so that Jesus could descend to them, and as the scripture says, lead captivity captive. But there was another side, a terrible side to Sheol, and it is the place called Hades, the place of pain and the place of torment. Now, allow me to make a couple of comments on the story. There's a picture on your screen to try to depict a little bit of the two main characters. But firstly, we have the rich man. The rich man, it's clear that he lived in splendor. He had expensive clothing. His life was like a daily feast. He was self-indulgent. It would appear that he was powerful and he was held in high esteem. Maybe the rich man is somebody that would appear on the front of the Time magazine. I don't know. And then you have the other character, Lazarus. Lazarus was not well. He was a sick man. He was hungry. He was neglected. He was weak. He was covered with sores, even so that the dogs would come and lick his sores. Maybe the dogs were his only friends. But he appeared to be neglected by everyone. And so you have these two contrasted lifestyles, distinctly different. But the beggar Lazarus is right there at the gate of the rich man's house. Maybe Jesus used the name Lazarus to refer to the beggar because it means the one whom God helps. Isn't that lovely? It also seems that in terms of one of the reasons why Jesus told this parable is there was a misunderstanding 
amongst people in that day, in the audience that Jesus was speaking to. Jesus told the parable because many of the people believed that rich people were righteous and poor people were wicked, and hence they were just getting what they rightly deserved. But Jesus was actually correcting this misconception. And so that you have these two characters. You have the rich man, you have Lazarus. But what happens is, in the course of time, both of them die. They breathe their last breath, and one of them opens his eyes in paradise. Can you imagine how incredible it must have been for that beggar to open his eyes in paradise? But the other person in the story the rich man, he closed his eyes when he passed away, but when he opened his eyes, he was in a place of torment. He was in Hades. Can you just imagine the terrible shock and horror that gripped his heart as he realized that he was in this terrible place, completely removed from all that is good and from the presence of God? It must have been the shock of all shocks. He was a man used to be able to do what he wanted to, tell people to do what he wanted to. And here he found himself in this place of shock and horror. Now, there are three points that I'd like to share with you today. And if you're making notes, I encourage you to write them down. Number one, in your lifetime, ensure that you make the right choice. Say that with me. In your lifetime, ensure that you make the right choice. Luke 16, 25 is on your screen. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Would you notice the phrase in your lifetime? Please say in your lifetime. <laughs> I want to tell you that what you do in your lifetime matters. It matters hugely. It matters immensely. And what, what it does is it matters so much that it matters right on into eternity. The things that you and I do in this life will have eternal consequence. There is only one life on earth, folks, and this during this life, it is the time of decision-making. You cannot wait until eternity to make your business right with God because then it will simply be too late. And we see that the rich man, he had every pleasure, must have had a fantastic life while he was on earth, but he did not have that which would grant him access into heaven because he hadn't made the right choice. And what can we learn from all of this? We can learn, prepare for the future here and now. Amen? Why don't you say that to the person next to you? Prepare for the future here and now. This is the time to prepare for the future. Now, there is a very critical question that we have to ask today. And this is the question. What was the terrible sin that the rich man committed that made him go to hell. Because this is important. Do you know the answer? 
Let me ask the question again. What was the terrible sin that the rich man committed that caused him to go to hell? Uh, do you want to know the answer to the question? Yes. I can't hear you. Yes. I want to ask that you listen very carefully because in sharing this, you can be protected from making the wrong decision that the rich man made. Now, let me say this to you. Did the rich man go to hell because he was rich? No. I agree with you. Let me ask you another question. Did the rich man go to hell because he didn't feed the beggar? No. I agree with you. That, however, I believe was a symptom, but it was not the real problem in the situation. But here it is, folks. I want to tell you loud and clear. The rich man went to hell because he refused to believe in God. He refused to believe in God. Even though he had the scriptures, even though he had Moses and the prophets, he refused. He said, I've got no time for this. I will not focus on scripture. I will live my life as I please it. I will do it my way, like that one singer once sang. <laughs> I want to tell you, <laughs> you cannot do it your way. You have to do it according to the way of the cross, the way of Jesus Christ. And so this was his sin. The rich man went to hell because he refused to believe in God. He refused to say yes to God. He refused the grace of God. He said this gift of salvation, I don't want it. I want to do what I want to do. He refused to say yes to God. And listen to me carefully, folks. Saying no to Jesus is the worst sin that any human being can commit. Can I have an amen? amen? It's the worst thing that you can do in life is saying no to Jesus. Don't say no. I want to rather encourage you from the deepest part in your heart. You shout out yes to Jesus. Come on, won't you do that with me? Shout out yes to Jesus. That is what we should be doing. We should be saying yes, God. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Not what I want. But I will deny myself, take up my cross, and I will follow you because you have the words of life. And with you is life. And so it's so important that we understand these things. Forgive me if I'm shouting a little bit this morning, but you know what? I'm honestly passionate about this. As I was reading this, it's like the Spirit of God was consuming my spirit and making me realize some of the eternal ramifications of what we do in this life. Luke 16, verse 30, it's on your screen. And he, that's the rich man, said, No, Father Abraham, can you believe the audacity? Here he is in Hades, and he's still trying to call the shots. So the rich man says, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And so the rich man is protesting. <laughs> In a sense of entitlement, still in a sense of pride, he is saying, no, Father Abraham. And right there, do you know what? There is a major problem in that passage right there. There is a major problem because in his death, the rich man said no to Abraham. 
But in his life, the rich man said no to Jesus. He was in the habit of saying no to the purposes of God because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Say yes to Jesus. Why don't you tell the person next to you, say yes to Jesus. Amen. Now, point number two. There is coming a great gulf that cannot be crossed. Please say that with me. There is coming a great gulf that cannot be crossed. Luke 16, 26, it's on your screen, it says, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Please say those four words, a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Very interesting when you think of this aspect of the great gulf. And I want to say to you that the choice that you and I make for or against Christ in this earthly life, listen to this, cannot be altered in the future. It's a sobering thought. Once death has taken place, your uh, destiny is fixed. You can't go to the constitutional court and say, listen, I want to appeal this case. It is too late. There's no appeals once you have breathed your last breath. I like what Reinhard Bonker says. He says, there is no bridge between heaven and hell. Can you agree and say amen with that? Maybe Reinhard Bonker would say it like this. There is no bridge between heaven and hell. And he's right. There is no bridge. And I want to ask you this morning, do you believe in the existence of hell? I'd like to see by a show of hands, do you agree in the existence of hell? Raise your hand. I want to tell you, I firmly believe in the existence of hell. It's not a place that God sends you to, but it's a place that people choose to go to when they reject and refuse God. And I believe it is a real place. Jesus spoke about the existence of hell on numerous occasions. One such occasion is Mark 9, verse 43 to 44. It's on your screen. It says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands and go to hell. This is Jesus speaking. Into the fire that shall never be quenched. Now look at verse 44. It says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Goodness me. As I was reading and preparing for today, I came across something and it says that it seems that one of the terrible aspects about being in hell, eternally separated from God, is the memory that people will have of all the many times that they could have accepted the grace of God, but rather chose to reject it. Perhaps that might be the worm within them that never dies, that constant regret, I rejected God, I should have said yes, I should have said yes, I should have, my wife was actually right, my grandmother was actually right, my parents were actually right when they said you must believe in Jesus and you must be born again. 
Now, folks, I want to tell you very importantly today, I want to tell you that the time to cross over from darkness into light is now. This has to be done in the here and now, in the land of the living. You have an opportunity to cross over, and it needs to be done now. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus is the way in which you cross over from darkness into light. Don't put up that slide just yet, please. Jesus is the way that you cross over. You cross over from sin, and you cross over to the righteousness of God. He is the bridge. Jesus has provided the way of salvation. He has bridged the great divide so that you and I can enter through Him, through a new and a living way. That is what it is all about. And so when Jesus said, I am the way, He meant it. <laughs> and He was saying, I'm the way that you cross over into the purposes and the love of the Father. Now let's bring that illustration up on the screen, please. A very interesting illustration. I remember at Bible College seeing this for the first time, and it made a profound impact on my life. On the left-hand side, you have, let's call, one mountain. And on that left mountain, you have people, sinful mankind, humanity. And then you have, on the right-hand side mountain, you have God, who is a holy God. But in between those two mountains, you have this great uh, this great divide, and basically the Bible says that your iniquities, your sins, and my sins have separated us from God. But the moment that we were separated from God through our sins, immediately God began to put into action His plan of salvation, where ultimately Jesus would come and pay the penalty for your and my sins and would reconcile us in relationship to the Father. Through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, through His blood which was perfect, Christ Jesus made the way. And so you have to receive Christ Jesus in order to move from the situation of darkness into His marvelous light. And I want to say to you folks today, Bless the Lord for our Savior. Bless the Lord for Jesus, who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life, who is our salvation. Jesus is our righteousness, as the scripture says. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, For he called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. But you have to say yes in this life. Amen. Because there's no bridge in eternity. Listen to this. The time to cross over is now. Why don't you say that to the person next to you? The time to cross over is now. Say that to them. Now, point number three. But before I mention point number three, just to recap. Number one, in your lifetime ensure that you make the right choice. Number two, there is coming a great gulf that cannot be crossed. And number three, the Word of God is all the revelation we need for true faith in Christ. Would you please say this aloud with me? The Word of God is all the revelation we need for true faith in Christ. Do you believe that? It's based out of Scripture. I like this statement. Listen to it. The scriptures are sufficient for faith. That also confirms what we've been looking at during the course of the year. 
that the scriptures are sufficient for faith. There's a well-known Christian apologist. His name is Ravi Zacharias. Great man of God. I really enjoy listening to him. And this is what he says. God put enough into the world to make faith in him a most reasonable thing. But he left out, enough out, to make it impossible to live by reason alone. Isn't that a powerful statement? Now let's look at Luke 16, verse 29 to 31, reading from the New Living Translation. And so here, there is this final discourse between the rich man and between Abraham. And it says in verse 29, but Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even to someone who rises from the dead. That same verse, verse 29, the Amplified Bible says, but Abraham said, they have the scriptures given by Moses and the writings of the prophets. Let them listen to them. In a sense, Abraham was pointing out that they already have the scriptures. Abraham was pointing out that they already have the word of God. And I want to tell you that your friends and family around about you, they already have scriptures. They already have the word of God. Maybe if we were to try to modernize this passage, it might read something like this. They have the word of God and the preachers of the word of God. If they don't believe them, then they won't believe anybody returning from the dead. And I want to say to you folks today, you need to know and believe in your heart that the word of God is sufficient. The word of God is enough. The word of God is fully sufficient for faith. And I want to say this as well, that the word of God is the most powerful instrument that exists to bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Because the word of God is so powerful. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. The word of God, so powerful. And it is the most powerful instrument that exists to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. But the rich man obviously thought that his brothers would not regard the word of God, which is the same terrible mistake that he made. I'm drawing it to a close here, folks, and I'm saying to you, Will you believe the scriptures? Will you believe Moses and the prophet? Will you believe the word of God and the preachers of the word of God? Will you believe? Because if you won't believe the scriptures, then I need to let you know that you will not be saved. But on the other hand, if you believe, you shall be saved. And I want to say it loud and clear, folks, that it is time to believe today. It is time to say yes to Jesus. And I know that so many of you, under the sound of my voice, you have done this. But I know that there are many people as well who have not done this. And I want to declare loud and clear that this is the day of salvation. This is the day that God is calling people home. And it's the day that we need to say yes to Jesus. And it is the time to believe. For the scripture says in Romans 10, verse 13, For whosoever 
How many whosoevers do we have in the meeting here today? Because that includes everybody. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, what's that word? Saved. Shall be what? Saved. It also says in John 3 verse 16, whosoever believeth in him, that's Jesus, shall not perish and go where that rich man went. But that person that believes in Jesus shall have everlasting life. You know what? The more I discover about Jesus, the more I read about him in the word, the more I realize what a wonderful Savior we have. And so I want to say to you folks that this has to bring us to a place of decision. And I want to say to you that there is a hell to shun, and there is a heaven to gain, prepared for God and his people, but you must believe in Jesus. You must be born again by the Spirit of God. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'd like to ask that nobody leaves at this point because this is a critical moment. I want to say the Bible says, he who has the Son, that's Jesus, has life. But it also goes on to say, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus loves you. And his plan for you is to put your faith in him, to be washed by the blood of Jesus, and to be a child of God, assured of your place in heaven. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. This is one prayer to include three areas. So I'm praying a prayer today, a prayer of salvation. And this is if you, number one, need to get saved, or number two, need to come back to God because you have backslidden from the Lord. Or number three, if you need to make sure of your salvation because there's confusion and the enemy's lying to you. So this is a prayer either to get saved, come back to God, or make sure of your salvation. May I invite that we all close our eyes right now. Let's close our eyes. And I invite you to pray this prayer just in the quietness of your heart, not out loud, but as you pray this prayer, would you mean every word that you pray? This is a prayer of salvation. Pray this after me in your quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I need you. You are the true living God. And I bow my knee before you. Lord, please forgive me for my sin and ways in which I have displeased you. I'm sorry, Lord. I confess my sin to you. But thank you for the blood of Jesus, which cleanses me from all my sin and iniquity. I receive your cleansing. Wash me clean right now. Make me a new creation. And now I open the doors of my heart. Wide open. And I say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. 
come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe in you. And thank you, Lord, that right now, you give me the right and the privilege to become a child of God. I am born again. I am saved because I have prayed this prayer and believed in the saving power of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord.